Hello, my name is Mitch Ressler and welcome to Consulting the Manual, the podcast that discusses men's issues, what scripture says about them, and how they apply to our lives today. This episode is the final episode of our first season. To everyone who has listened and supported, I have to give a big thank you. None of this would have been possible without you. Each episode, we've taken a look at different roles that men play in life. What happens when these roles start to become the definition of our identity? I'm sure we may know people in our life that might sound like this. They associate themselves with their job or maybe from the relationship they have with a spouse or another family member. These ideas are all part of who we are, but they shouldn't be the foundation of our identity. This episode, I talk with a MEMS group leader from my home church who also happens to be my father-in-law, Mike Franklin, and how men find their foundation of their identity in Christ. What does that mean anyway? How do you do that, and what does it mean for the rest of your life? A big inspiration of this podcast came out of our men's group at church, so I only saw it fitting to finish our first season this way. All right, Mike, thanks for sitting down. I've been This is a conversation I've been looking forward to, to doing. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, through most of the episodes that we've been... Uh, covering up to now it's been men playing different roles mm-hmm. uh, in, in certain things you know whether it's be fathers or sons or husbands or you know employees kind of different things like that yep um but a lot of guys in general both kind of in christian guys and guys who aren't in faith uh, it's kind of a, sort of a common issue along everybody is they derive sort of uh, their sense of identity with a thing that they do or their job. Uh, is, is this something you, you kind of see in, in a lot of guys you know? Oh, absolutely. The, the identity is fundamental to not only growth in Christ, but growth as a human. I mean, I think there's a natural tendency, a natural instinct in us placed there by God that from the time we're infants, we start searching for an identity. Uh, and if you're if you're outside of Christ, obviously, and you don't know your identity in Christ, then you're going to be looking in the wrong places. Uh, for instance, um, most desire, most emotion that we have was placed there by God. And uh, when I was thinking about this and, and looking through some scripture, um, I, I thought of something similar, uh, and that's the desire that the Lord placed in us to worship. Mm-hmm. And you and I both have experienced that. You and I have done it long enough to know that... that um, God intended for us to direct our worship toward Him. But if God is not a part of our lives, then the desire to worship is still there, so you're going to worship something. Uh, you know, and most of the time, uh, it's an actor, it's, a, it's a, a sports celebrity, or in the worst case, it's ourselves. And uh, uh, the desire to, to find an identity uh, was also placed in us, I think, similar to that by God. So you have a desire to know who you are. You have a desire to, to want to know who you are, know what your purpose is. Uh, and it reminds me uh, of my brother Mark. Uh, he said more than once over the course of our lives, he feels like that God has something special for him to do, but he doesn't know what it is. And he said, you know, at other times, I feel like I was created for something. I was put here for a purpose. Well, you absolutely were. And until you discover your identity in Christ, your identity the way God designed it, 
uh, you're going to be wandering. You're going to be looking. You know, you, you, you'll never be, you'll never know who you are until you know who you are in Christ. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a hard uh, hurdle that some guys have to deal with. Because if they, they've derived their identity off of uh, an element of their life or an element or two, and then something goes sour with that, then they kind of lose the, their foundation of, of their world. So, like, for example, if you put, if you derive a lot of your identity from your job, like, I am a... Surveyor. Sure, if you're a surveyor. There you go. And then, what if you lose your job? Or you have an accident and can't go to work for a few months. You know, it's and so you're not able to operate in this thing that you've derived your your identity from, and you can no longer do this thing. That can really mess with you. Absolutely, and that's that's a very valid point. Um, when somebody asks me what I do, uh, I don't typically say uh, I work for a surveying company. I say I am a land surveyor. Mm-hmm. I, certainly, I am a land surveyor, but that's not my identity. That's not what defines me. Uh, that's that's just uh, an occupation. Um, and we people struggle to find their identity outside of Christ to the point I think that that they become miserable. And uh, I can remember the cliche uh, that I've heard over uh, over a number of years now uh, between husbands and wives. Uh, you hear uh, the husband's leaving the wife or the wife is leaving the husband to find themselves. Yeah. You know, I got to go find myself. Well, uh, until you find yourself in Christ, that desire to find yourself is always going to be there. And and if it's not satisfied by the discovery of what God intended it to be, then it's going to be perverted because that's what we humans do. (laughs) So there's there's a void that seems to be there that... Guys will work to any kind of means to to fill. So whether it's uh, you know in a relationship that may that they maintain or a thing that they do or or something else. So when when we talk about finding our identity in Christ or finding our identity in God, wh- how do you interpret that? Well, um, like like most other things in a relationship with God, uh, I would rather that there was some. Uh, magic bean or that there was something that somebody could uh, bestow upon me by throwing a handkerchief on me or throwing an anointed coat on me that would allow me to, to discover that but but typically uh, with a, a, with a relationship with God it's only found in a couple places you have to study scripture and you have to pray because uh, my definition and yours the definition of men uh, the definition of women, the definition of humankind, can only be found in Scripture. Um, I, I would liken it, and I was thinking about this too, uh, just a few days ago I heard about a guy who won uh, like 300 some odd million bucks in the lottery. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> somebody made the comment on the radio, there's a guy walking around out there who doesn't know he's a millionaire. Yeah. And uh, I likened it to finding your identity in Christ then because... Uh, technically, this guy was a millionaire. He, he didn't know it yet. He didn't know it. He had the, the winning ticket somewhere on his person, and he was living his life as a pauper while the whole time he was a millionaire. And, and then there's some steps there that he has to take in order to claim his identity as a millionaire 
First, he has to go in and he has to say, hey, guess what? I got the ticket right here. And then when he receives his winnings, if he takes his winnings home, socks them in the mattress or buries them in the yard, he's still living like a pauper, even though technically he's a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So until he takes his millions and applies the millions uh, to whatever millions could do, uh, he still lives his life as a pauper, even though he's a millionaire. And we do that. Spiritually, we do that. We we live and and. I don't want to make a broad, sweeping statement here, but well, actually, I do, so I'm going to make it. I think, <laughs> I think, uh, uh, lots of Christians that I know and have known personally uh, could fall into that category. We live most of our spiritual lives. I lived most of my personal spiritual life without the realization that I had that I had power granted to me, that I had gifts given to me by God that I could exercise. Uh, you know, and I had this narrow idea of of how you should approach the throne, this narrow idea of of uh, why whenever I needed prayer, I needed to go to somebody else. You know, if I wanted to pray for healing, I had to go see Benny Hinn because, mm -hmm. you know, in my own, that that's, uh, uh, I didn't realize that God had given me the same gifts and even more uh, that he's given to Benny Hinn. Well, like, I, I think you make an interesting point because there's, there's a difference between knowing your identity and then walking in that identity. Exactly. Like, like to, to your example, the guy who had all this money, even if he claimed it and took it home and did, and did nothing with it, I mean, he's, he's still a, a, a multimillionaire, but if he doesn't do anything with the money, is is there really any difference between him having it and not having it? Absolutely, not really. So Absolutely. unless you unless you operate in who you are, it's it's kind of hard to to say that. Right. If you don't exercise the gifts you're given, uh, I mean, what's the point in having the gift? If you go to church week after week, uh, you do the same thing. You sit there. Uh, you, maybe you go to the front when the worship music is playing and you jump up and down and clap your hands. You go back and sit on the pew. And then after 30 minutes, 40 minutes into the sermon, you start thinking about Shoney's. Uh, and, and rather than exercising the gift or rather than receiving what God has given the pastor to, 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 help, uh, to help facilitate, to help hone the gifts that you have, uh, uh, you know, if you leave like you came in without the exercise of those gifts, then then you're still a pauper. Spiritually, you're still broke. Uh, scripture says a, a couple different things about kind of who God's people are. And a lot of times you read this and you kind of, depending on who you know, the circles you're in, or even how you feel about yourself, it's kind of hard to put these on. But this is still what Scripture says about you. Uh, one example is in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the, the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful, wonderful light. light. Absolutely. So a chosen people, a royal priesthood? How, how, holy do you, how, nation. how do you go from someone who feels you know, just kind of average at best if you feel even that good about yourself, to feeling like you're a royal, a member of a royal priesthood. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you, you, you have to walk in it. You have to exercise it. Uh, my guitar playing is a good example. I wasn't given uh, uh, as great a gift as a guitarist as a lot of guys I know. 
uh, and it's hard work for me. In order for me to improve as a guitarist, I have to work at it. And if I don't work at it, I get my, my skills. Uh, I mean, it's a perishable skill. And, and that's just it. You have to exercise the gifts. The realization of something, a lot of times in my life, acts as an inspiration. Uh, you know, if you're ignorant of something, then, then obviously you don't know to exercise it. Uh, a very sad person is somebody who gains the realization of something and still doesn't exercise it. That's almost worse. <clears throat> Absolutely. First Peter chapter 2, what you just read, uh, um, the Lord said, you are a chosen generation. He didn't say you will be, you can earn your way to being a chosen generation. Uh, he said you are a royal priesthood. We are priests. We are kings in the sight of God. This is not something we have to earn through works. This is not something... This is a gift that God has given us. We are holy, and, and, and we know not in ourselves, absolutely not in ourselves, but through the gift of Christ, we have a right to these things. You know, these things are rightfully ours, and God's not offended when we remind the Lord, uh, Father, you promised me these things. These things, the, your word tells me that I'm chosen. Your word tells me that I'm a royal priesthood. Your word tells me that I'm holy. Your word tells me I'm special. Uh, and, and like my brother was thinking, I, I've absolutely been created to be something special. I am special in the sight of God because he's given me the gift to be special. Uh, there, there's another spot I found. Uh, this is actually when Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's in John 15, verse 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Absolutely. Uh, and follow that with verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. What a crazy promise that is. So, so if we believe in Scripture like we profess, if I believe this stuff like I profess I do, then I have to believe that whatever I ask... The Father, in the name of Christ, He will give me. That's His promise. If He keeps any of His promises, He has to keep them all. Mm -hmm. So, and and I'm excited about that that verse 16. Uh, you didn't choose me; I chose you. I didn't choose God. God chose me. As a matter of fact, Scripture says, "Before the foundation of the world, He chose me." To to me, the I, I kind of read this as when when Christ looks at people as His friends. It's not. It's more on, more of an equal level. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's someone that he he tells he confides in or 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 trusts rather than just someone you know he barks orders to and then if you believe me you'll do it. Absolutely. There, there's a more there's a closeness there, that that's. I mean he's still he's still the the king of kings, mm -hmm. uh, and he's not going to give up that that position. That's just part of who he is. But you're someone that can that can talk to the king of kings. Like you're someone that he'll, he'll tell things to you because he, he's just a, 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 oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a kind of like a middleman from the father to, right. to the people. And just because I'm so special. Yeah. <laughs> I'm special enough to receive these promises. But uh, that's, but that's something else that he, he, he identifies us as, as, absolutely. as close and trusted friends. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Absolutely. 
and, and and there it is again. It resonates with me about what my brother said. You better believe you have something to do, mm -hmm. you know, because he designed uh, a, a plan, uh, uh, something for you to do uh, before you were ever born. And that's why that that's why that knowing is in you. That's why the desire. Uh, that's that's why my brother says. Uh, I just feel like there's something special I need to be doing. You're absolutely right there is. And and the reason you have a special task is because you're a special person in the eyes of God through Christ. And this may be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but since we're kind of talking about this, people spend a little bit of time looking for what their calling is or, or their purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and this kind of is uh, tied to your identity a little bit. Oh, because absolutely. this is it's important to kind of have an understanding of what you're here to do. That, that's part of your, your self-identity. Mm -hmm. um, I can't help but kind of wonder if people make it a little more complicated than it needs to be sometimes. Oh, oh absolutely. And I'll tell you something else I just, uh, that just came to mind when you, when you said that. Uh, I think in Christian circles even, seeking for identity uh, can be perverted uh, through the so-called call to ministry. So what do you mean? Uh, I mean, I've, I've actually heard people stand up weeping and talking about, oh, God called me to the healing ministry, you know, or, or God's called me to the mission field. And then you find out later on, mm, maybe he didn't necessarily call you to that because, you, uh, well, I tell you what, let me use this as an example. When I was children's pastor, more than one person would come to me uh, and I won't name them, but uh, well, it's not it's not pertinent <laughs> to the anecdote. I'm just I'm teasing. Uh, and, and they would say things like, uh, Pastor Mike, uh, God's called me to work with children, uh, and and I would always say, you need to pray about it and be sure. And I didn't try to paint a bad picture of children's ministry, but children's ministry is not for people who are not called to children's ministry. I think people have an idea using children's ministry specifically have an idea of how it goes, mm -hmm. and then once they're in there, find it is not that idea of how it goes. Absolutely. I think you and I have spoken about that before. God, folks would come to me and say, God's called me, and believing in their heart mm -hmm. completely, God's called me to the children's ministry. Then after about six months of it, you know, uh, I would begin to hear things like, uh, Pastor Mike, uh, my cousin is visiting today. Is it okay if I sit out uh, just for today? And then just for, the day, for today becomes a week or two, and then before you know it, you know, you kind of go, what happened to the call? And mm -hmm. you realize, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that to be critical of people, because in myself, in, in, in my own Christian life, uh, I've been fired up about the same things. You know, my emotions get fired up. I, I see somebody doing a ministry that, that I think I'd love to be involved in. I told you this story, I think, once about uh, a missionary who came to uh, Lake Gunnersville uh, Assembly of God, where we were down there. He was making his way down uh, the altar praying for folks. I could hear him a couple, three folks down, and he was speaking this crazy prophecy over these folks. God's called you to the mission field. You know, God's called you to, you're going to preach to thousands. And I was very, very young uh, uh, in Christ. So I just assumed that when he got to me, you know, I was going to be a missionary to India, India or, you know, I was... I'm you're, you're getting to, ready to live yeah, in a grass hut somewhere. I, I, well, either that or I'm getting ready to entertain thousands of people on stage with right. my fantastic guitar skills. <laughs> and uh, he gets to me and my hands are raised and I'm sobbing. And um, uh, he goes, what's your name? And I told him and he goes, uh, Brother Mike. And I was all trembling going, yes, yes. He goes, 
help me pray for this sister over here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, dude. I wanted to go to Africa. <laughs> you know, so I had these preconceived notions. And, and I think it's, you know, uh, uh, that was, after a fashion, my search for my identity. You know, I saw all these other folks being called to the mission field, so I wanted to go to the mission field. I mm -hmm. saw the preacher, uh, you know, uh, espousing the word, so I wanted to do that. You know, I saw children's ministry was ridiculously successful. They were building these puppet stages, and, you know, they were taking kids to the park, and I wanted to be involved in that. And, you know, more than once I made the mistake of professing a call that actually wasn't there. It was just my emotions. So either you get caught up in an emotional moment or you see somebody else operating in their calling and you want to take that on yourself when Absolutely. that's not your call or your identity to take. Exactly, and you will fail miserably. And it's, and it's, uh, it's probably safe to say more than one person has been discouraged uh, uh, in that area, and even without announcing a call. You know, you feel in your heart, i got to get involved in this. I love this. This is where God's called me to be. And after a while... You find out, ah, you know what? This is not really what I thought it was. That's discouraging. It's all a search for identity. But, you know, just as discouraging as that can be, uh, it's just as fantastic uh, when you do realize uh, that God has something special for you to do that He only gives to special people. And that, that reminds me of uh, what Second Corinthians 5.20 says. Uh, it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Absolutely. That's really kind of the underlining mission, you know, idea behind any ministry is we're ambassadors for Christ, trying to appeal for reconciliation for people who aren't saved yet. Absolutely. That's, that's the foundational part of it. That's our identity. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to say how much I appreciate you listening to the podcast. I hope you feel God's presence in your life and continue to pursue Him in Scripture. We can't do what we do without the fantastic support from our listeners. If you feel moved to contribute, go to our website, consultingthemanual.com, and click the Support tab to see how you can. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram for the latest, and even shoot us a message at hosting at consultingthemanual.com. Okay. Promotional bit over. Back to the discussion. Trying to make, trying to find something very specific at first is, I think, kind of what, like you said, can be a discouraging moment to people where they, they just need to show up, demonstrate and work in the, the habitual stuff of being consistent and Absolutely. being open and reaching out to people. And as you work on maybe a little something as being the, the person that can be trusted to, to change out the trash every week. Then stuff starts opening up for you and more opportunities, and then that leads to you finding or realizing whatever that call is. To, Absolutely. To finding where, where your specific place is. I agree. Faith, be faithful in the little things, and then uh, 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 your ministry grows. Absolutely. <clears throat> and the gifts and, and the calling on our lives that God gives us because we are special uh, are not to entertain folks. You've probably heard me say hundreds of times when I was growing up, I thought I was going to be a rock star. Mm -hmm. And then very early in my Christian walk, uh, you know, when I found out that um, uh, I was going to play, uh, the youth minister asked me, somebody told him I could play a little guitar, and he wanted me to uh, join the praise band, you know. So I thought, hey, I'm, I'm still a rock star. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and, and you know, obviously, it took me a while uh, uh, and a little and a little more spiritual maturity and growth to realize that I had been given the gifts, uh, as meager as they are, in order to draw people to Christ, not to draw people's attention to me. That was a hard pill for me to swallow when I was much younger, you know, because sure. I also learned along the along the way that God loves me enough to pat me on the back occasionally because He knows I need that, mm-hmm. <laughs> because He loves me. And there's a, there are a few scriptures that came to mind when I was meditating and, and, and praying over uh, our discussion. First uh, John 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. He loves me enough to call me His son, call me His child. And and with everything that that entails, that's that's my identity. I'm a child of God. And in that, I'm entitled to what daddy's children are entitled to. Uh, uh, the people who get the best that I have are my children. Mm-hmm. The people who get the best that you have are your son. That's uh, that's by design. Uh, well, that's another part of your identity. That's a lot of, especially, I think it's something that's uh, predominant in the South is a lot of people, the initial association they'll put with you is whose kids you are. Exactly. As our kids were growing up, and I've even... Uh, uh, been referred to as Sebastian's papa, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> That's absolutely my identity. Everything everything about our Christian life to me is a progression toward the realization of our identity because it's so foundational. Uh, uh, your ministry is going to fail unless you know your identity. Uh, you're going to be a very weak witness unless you know your identity. You won't know how to direct uh, the passion that God's placed inside of you toward anything. Worship, study, prayer, uh, without knowing your identity and knowing your identity in those things, that's going to be a total drag. And I've had it both ways. Uh, And and by that I mean uh, I prayed uh, and sought the Lord before I realized what I was entitled to. And uh, I prayed and sought the Lord afterward. And it's a totally different perspective. Infinitely more powerful when you know who you are in Christ. I'm a child of the creator of the universe, and I'm entitled to the things that he promised his own son because I am his son. I am his child. It says in Romans 8, uh, verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It's it's important that it says a joint heir or fellow heir. Yes. Because a little bit of context is important here. Because here in uh, a lot of Jewish tradition, and I'm sure others back then, when you're giving out an inheritance to a group of kids, the firstborn got like the biggest portion out of everybody else. Yeah. And then subsequent children got a smaller a smaller bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the firstborn is considered like the primary heir of the the family. So if you were a joint heir, you shared in that portion of the the firstborn, the the Absolutely. one who got the most. Absolutely. Here it calls believers, those who accept Christ, as joint heirs with Him. So whatever that that main portion that goes to Him as the firstborn of those who are risen. We have an equal share in, in that. Absolutely. Even though we were grafted in, we weren't naturally born nope. there. We were grafted into that vine. 
But it, I mean, it's amazing. It's a wonderful thing to know that that just because he loves me, uh, he he's made me his son. He's made me his child, and and he didn't stop there. Uh, he made me, like you said, an heir, uh, uh, an heir to everything he promised, his own son. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing thing. Uh, Jeremiah one and five. Uh, I wrote a couple down that that I, that I felt were applicable before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I sanctified you I ordained you a prophet to the nations of course he was talking to the prophet but mm -hmm. that's a perfect example of Jeremiah and our identity in Christ before we were formed in the womb he knew us before we were even born he considered us sanctified all we had to do was come to the realization of it and accept it how crazy is that all the dude that's got the winning lottery ticket has got to do is go down there and hand it to him. Bingo, he's a millionaire. All we have to do is realize our identity in Christ and accept it. So, in you, you've touched on this just a little bit uh, about the the importance of knowing your identity, uh, just kind of how that applies to aspects of ministry. But but outside of that. How how important is it for, and I'll just say, just addressing men specifically, because we've we've discussed some on this podcast about there's a certain group of guys that we can either refer to or some consider themselves a fatherless generation. That that's kind of a step of growing into being a man is your father kind of shows you you are or tells you, you are, and that's kind of part of developing your identity. How do you see guys who are not sure in their identity, how does that affect the rest of their life? Oh, gosh, that, you know, that's foundational stuff. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's like we were talking earlier. Um, it's by design that God intended for the Father, uh, for, for the lineage beginning with the Father to inherit these things. Uh, if you don't have a dad at home, uh, the desire... For that identity and the desire to like like my brother the desire and and the knowledge that i'm special there's something more that's still going to be there uh you know it's our job to to help people realize i believe it's our job as witnesses for christ to help people realize you do have an identity you're not lost well actually you are lost but but god intends for you to be found you're special you're holy you you belong to a royal family uh, think about folks in England, for instance, who wouldn't love to be part of the royal family? Because look what the royal family gets. They get all the accolades. They mm -hmm. got all the money. They got the the castle, the best food. They're worshipped. I mean, who would not want to be part of a royal family? And obviously that's, I mean, metaphorically, uh, well, I mean, uh, it's but not it's, the same. But, but I mean, they're... <laughs> Uh, speaking with the, the the royal family out of England, I mean, a lot of times they're constantly in, in the headlines. Like people mm -hmm. are, they look up to them as, uh, I don't know, a, a step up or something to constantly follow. So some high level of importance are given to them. But that's just on an earthly scale. Absolutely. If you're talking about a, a being part of a royal family that comes out of deity... That supersedes anything that, I mean, it, that's something that's kind of hard to conceive of. I agree. With, with our, our finite understanding of deity. Absolutely. And, and the desire, I believe God placed in every man the desire to be a daddy. Uh, you know, obviously, the circumstances and environment can pervert that. 
uh, flesh can pervert any godly thing if it works at it hard enough. Mm. Uh, God instilled in us the desire to be a daddy. Uh, you know, there are lots of guys. We, we see these young boys uh, uh, every Wednesday night. You know, the dads are either absent or the, or the living arrangement at home is some kind of crazy mess that you wouldn't want anybody to be caught in. Uh, it breaks my heart because the Lord's placed in me the desire to be a daddy. And it's our job to, to be daddies. Uh, you know, that's uh, I've mentioned to a lot of folks I know who uh, have children and, and have newborns. There's a lady at the bank uh, who was pregnant. I was just trying to be funny. And I said, uh, does your baby have enough granddaddies? Uh, because I'm pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, she goes, well, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, my pop passed a couple years ago. Uh, and my mother is very ill. And uh, my baby's, uh, my, my husband's dad is not necessarily in our lives. And uh, uh, it broke my heart. It stopped the foolishness immediately, but it also broke my heart to think about this infant who had a dad, but but he was missing the lineage. Yeah. And uh, so I said, I'd love to be his granddaddy. Of course, Faye, uh, uh, my wife, thought I was nuts, and she thought these people would think I was nuts. Uh, you know, but the Lord has instilled in me the desire to be to be daddy. You know, to be to be the father to the fatherless, and 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 to help people realize. You do have a daddy that loves you, and he wants the best for you. There's one section here that I want to read. It's out of Acts 19, uh, and it's verses 11 through 17. So it's it's it sounds like a big chunk, but it's not. These are these are guys trying to go around and operate in in the world. Uh, it said God worked unusual miracles through Paul. People would take handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched Paul's skin to those who were sick. The sickness would be cured, and evil spirits would leave them. Some Jews used to travel from place to place and force evil spirits out of people. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus to force evil spirits out of those who were possessed. These Jews would say, I order you to come out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul talks about. Yeah. Some of Sepka and Jewish chief priests were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus, and I'm acquainted with Paul, but who are you? Then the man possessed by the evil spirit attacked them. He beat them up so badly that they ran out of the house naked and wounded. Uh, to me, this speaks directly to identity. Yes. The, these are guys who were who were trying to operate again in someone else's identity and hadn't yet acknowledged their own. Right. Right. And and probably never crossed their mind that God intended for them to have the same anointing that that the apostles had. You know, that wasn't exclusive to them. They didn't earn that by being uh, anything other than what we are, uh, uh, children of God. But I think this kind of shows where the intention is us to have a direct relationship. Yes. To, to, uh, to acknowledge and work in our own sonship. Because here they're talking almost through like third person of, we want to preach in this guy we've heard of Jesus, who we've heard that Paul talks about. Exactly. And to do all this stuff. And they were going the long way around and had no authority in what they were doing. They were just kind of making their best guess, trying to, to cast evil spirits out. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work else. that way. Yeah. No, you can't operate in somebody else's authority. Uh, as powerful as it is, you can't operate in Benny Hinn's authority. I mean, you can imitate Benny Hinn all you want, but it's empty and it's powerless, and it's not your identity, it's his. 
there was one other uh, mention of identity that I kind of thought was interesting. Um, and this is one that involves Jesus. It's in Matthew 8. It's 5 through 13. Uh, most people know this kind of as a story of the centurion, a Roman centurion, mm -hmm. who, who went to him. And he was asking for his servant to be healed. Uh, he says in verse 8, Sir, I don't deserve to have you over to my house, but just give a command and my servant will be healed. As you know, I'm in a chain of command and have soldiers at my command. I tell them, go, and he goes, and they come, and he comes. I tell my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus was made as, as he heard this and said to those who were following him, I can guarantee this truth. I haven't found faith as great as this in anyone in Israel, which I think is important to know. I can guarantee that many will come from all over the world. They will eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. The citizens of that kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness. People will cry, be in extreme pain there. And then Jesus told the officer, Go, what you have believed will be done for you. At that moment, the servant was healed. Absolutely. Uh, this this is kind of a really interesting one because here here's a, here's a big case of of understanding identity. Mm -hmm. uh, here the the Roman soldier they're they're really big on uh, knowing they were really proud of knowing who they were as Roman citizens. They had access to all these rights and special stuff that the the people that were kind of living under their subjugation did not have, uh, and so it was a big deal to be. To be Roman in that time, yeah. And here he goes to uh, a rabbi that that people have heard about, but someone who isn't even familiar with with really who Jesus is or supposed to be to a lot of people. He knows that this guy he he acknowledges kind of the the authority and position who he was, and just goes and pleads for with him for his servant's case which is kind of an interesting position for a, a Roman centurion to do. I agree. It's a very good point. Uh, what, the, what he did understand, though, was, was uh, the pecking order. Uh, what he did understand was that he had a concept of kingship and servants and, and what was the authority that he had. He understood the authority that he had that was given him by his superiors. Mm -hmm. So he operated in that authority in so much that he said, I know how this works. Uh, you know, uh, I've got guys under me. If I tell this dude to do something, he's going to do it because I have the authority to tell him that. And I believe, like he was telling him, I believe you have the authority to speak these things. He was, he was way ahead uh, of the religious folks of the day. He, not only did he understand authority, but he understood the exercise of that authority. Not like the dudes that got beat naked. They understood the mechanics of it, but they didn't. They weren't speaking in the authority of it. Mm, yeah, <clears throat> it's it's a it's an interesting juxtaposition there. And he even said he isn't worried that having come to his house. It's like you didn't even need to do exactly. all that. Oh, you can stand right here in the street, speak it, and it's done. Wow. And this is a Roman centurion who knows nothing about him. And then Jesus turns to the, his crowd and says, none of y'all get it like this guy does. That's right. You don't have to drive to Atlanta to get your healing. Uh, you know, your healing is in the Word of God, and it's already been provided you. You just gotta, you just got to execute the order. So looking at some aspects of identity, and there's so many more places so in here much. to look. Uh, if you're trying to impart to somebody the difference in knowing your identity to living in your identity. 
how, how do you get that ball rolling for somebody else? Well, uh, I think the knowing is easy. If the knowledge of something would make it so, then I would be in a much better place than I'm in, and so would a bunch of us. You can plant the seed, but it has to be the Holy Spirit uh, uh, that, that causes the seed to grow. And that's what we're about. We're, we're about reminding somebody. We're about bringing that to this person's knowledge. You, you're, you're, you don't have to stay in these circumstances. You, God has made it so that you don't have to remain in bondage to that sin. doesn't necessarily mean you don't have to suffer some consequences, but you can be free. As a matter of fact, God made you free. All you have to do is claim your freedom. Uh, and then obviously uh, you have to instill in those uh, in that person and whoever you're witnessing to what I was mentioning earlier, uh, there's only two ways uh, through reading scripture and praying. I mean, you know, I wish there was some unicorn that would ride up and, you know, dump all this stuff on the front porch. But th that's the only way. Uh, and, you know, the, the wonderful thing is, is the more you study and pray, the more God feels comfortable in revealing these things to you. Uh, uh, the, the, the doing flows from the being. If you can help somebody understand, you do have an identity. You're not, a, you're not an orphan. You have a daddy. Maybe you don't have a daddy that lives at home with you. Maybe your daddy is a sorry excuse for a father. Mm -hmm. But there is a father who loves you. And, and who not only wants the best for you, but he designed you to receive the best. And guess what? It's as simple as you claiming it and then exercising it. You have to step out in that leap of faith sometimes. Absolutely. Where, it's you know, the, someone doesn't get to be a pro NFL player overnight. Mm -hmm. you, you have to step out and start, start the work and act in it. And then... If you if it's in the cards for you, then the rest of it will follow. Mm -hmm. You you don't necessarily feel like that to begin with. It's the same deal in living in the the identity in Christ. Is you may not necessarily feel like it right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, and and even if you get some progress, there might be some days where you don't feel like it at all. Mm -hmm. um, that's your as emotional human beings, we're going to have those ups and downs. Uh, that stuff's going to fluctuate, but Absolutely. that doesn't change who you are. Absolutely. I think what the Lord's impressed on me in the last year or two uh, that, that I never paid much attention to before is is uh, that hope is an incredible motivator. And people remain in the situation they're in most of the time because there's a sense of hopelessness that goes along with that. Uh, and, and if you can... If you can uh, you know, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, impress on somebody that there is hope, then that person will change. That person will want to change. You know, but you have to, that's a barrier, I think, uh, uh, a huge barrier to understanding your identity is you're dealing with this hopeless thing. You know, you failed so many times. Uh, you want to do these things. Like Paul said, I want to do good things, but somehow I wind up doing bad things. Uh, you have to understand that there's hope. And, and that hope is found in your identity in Christ. Some people will look at and, or they'll feel like they don't have the qualifications mm -hmm. to act in something. Where, yes, you know, the Bible says I'm a child of God, but I'm not that well read. Or I don't go to church that often. Or, yeah. or I still have bad habits that I'm, I'm still working on. And until 
I check these certain things off this list, then I can operate in this kind of yeah. stuff. That's not necessarily the case. That you know, the better way to to the way to get better for praying for somebody, start praying for people. Absolutely. And, and remember that, uh, like we talked about earlier in First Peter, he said you are a chosen generation. Uh, he didn't say when you become a biblical scholar, you'll be a chosen generation. You know, he didn't say when you've prayed for 300 people, I'll declare you a royal, a part of a royal priesthood. He said you are. You are these things before you take a step. The instant you receive Christ, you receive all these things that he promised. And the uh, toughest part is just walking in it. You know, you can help people. We should help people find a hope to walk in it and uh, be some powerful stuff going on. Uh, some of that you learn by doing. Absolutely. Most of it you learn by doing. Most of it by failing and then doing again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's part of our own growth. Absolutely. Uh, in, in our own function. There, there's a lot that's in there as, as far as identity. Uh, and it's something that uh, until you, you breathe your last breath this side of heaven, you will continually work on. Um, yeah, it, it gets easier the more you do it. Uh, as far as knowing who you are and and feeling like it, uh, because like like we said, there's a difference between head knowledge and then just you know feeling that role in your heart and, and, and acting in it. But it it gets easier the more the more you do it. So if if someone feels discouraged, I kind of want to hopefully encourage them to keep at it. I agree. I agree, and it's um. Uh, people in our culture more and more are affected by opinion. And I have to remind myself, and, and, and I hopefully get a chance to remind other people whose opinion matters the most. Mm. You know? Uh, uh, it, it's uh, whose opinion is greater than God's. I mean, there is no opinion greater than God's. So, Lord, help me weigh any and everything that I hear and experience against God's opinion of me rather than my opinion of myself or my friend, my circle of friends' opinion of me or even my wife's opinion of me. You know, let me weigh everything uh, based on that. And, and, how do you, and how do you weigh that opinion? You know, I just keep going back to the same thing. Uh, I will only know it, what it is, uh, if I read it and pray through it. Uh, it's like the guy with a million bucks. He's not a millionaire until he exercises his millions. Uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I don't realize uh, God's opinion of me until I exercise that opinion of uh, his opinion of me, you know, which I can only find through study and prayer. But it, uh, it, it comes down to the, to the reading of it. Uh, absolutely. To, yeah. to, know, to know what God's opinion of you, you have to know what he says. Absolutely. And he has a lot to say about his people in scripture but you're not going to know what it is until you get your nose in the book there it is i mean the entire thing basically cover to cover is is his opinion of you based on uh, uh his opinion of you through his son that's basically the story well and if if he thought the whole and i forget what book i was reading but basically said that the whole point of the bible is god reconciling his people back to himself absolutely that the whole crux of it is, it is in there. So if he thinks enough of you to put all forth all this effort and sacrifice into doing yes. it, th there must be some worth into who you are Absolutely. to him. I'm a stranger. I'm a sinner. But yet because of his love for me, I'm grafted into the family. Crazy idea. Nuts. 
this has been awesome. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you talking with me, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll have you in for another one. That'd be great. Guys, it's important to know who you are and whose you are. As a son of God, you will become a better husband, father, leader, employee, better everything. Don't feel like an anointed member of a royal priesthood yet? That's okay. As with everything, it all comes with practice. To start, read what God has to say about you in His Word. You'll have tough days where you won't feel like it, trust me. Still, I trust what your Creator has to say about you over your feelings any day. God has called you to be an ambassador on His behalf. You don't have to be a pastor or a biblical scholar to do this. Just share with others what God has done in your life. Live the life He's called you to live and you'll be showcasing God's power to your family, co-workers, and friends. Make sure you come back next week as we start Season 2 of the podcast. There's a lot of awesome stuff coming and you definitely don't want to miss it. For now, thanks for listening to Consulting the Manual. We'll catch you next time.